parable of the Good Samaritan, which can be found in the book of Luke, chapter 10, and we're going to start reading from verse 25. And it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And we just pray that as Judy comes to speak to us, Lord, you'd really uh, use her to speak into each of our lives. Just bless her this morning, Lord. Amen. Good morning. I'm very glad that, uh, that Sarah and Harry and Sue shared what they did, because I, I wonder whether... When you heard we were talking about generosity with time, there was a kind of duty, please don't ask us to do any more than we're already doing. Because um, you guys here at Bourneville especially are just serving in so many areas of church life and uh, are, are busy in a whole load of ways. So can I just firstly, before saying anything else, say thank you so much for everything that you are doing. I know some of you are here sort of from eight o'clock till one o'clock and beyond. And to reassure you uh, of two things. One, I hope that you will not feel you've got to do more and be busier at the end of this talk. If you do, I've failed, uh, or God has, one or the other, but uh, we'll work together. And uh, the second thing is, I am not an expert on this. And those of you who know me well uh, will know that sometimes I have struggled with overcommitting uh, my time. So can I just lay those caveats down? Um, and I want to say as well that this talk has spoken to me. So if all else fails, um, it has challenged me deeply uh, over the last week. And it's made me stop and think, what does generosity with time really look like in busy lives? What does it mean to be generous? 
And the first thing to say from this scripture is, there is something about being generous with time that is spontaneous, isn't it? That actually on this road, two walk by, but one actually crosses over the other side. Uh, One actually is generous with his time, uh, as Sarah read. And that kind of generosity that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, really, I believe comes, and Scripture tells us, that it comes through our gratitude. It comes through grace, not duty. And I think both the words that, that Harry and Sue shared really feed into that, that there's an ease to this rather than a pressure to it. And what that does for me, I don't know what it does for you, but it makes me smile, but it also makes me see the generosity of God afresh. He's lavish in all creation. He's lavish in his comedy in creation, lavish in his colour, generous in all he is and what he does. And when we start from that place of worship, which is where this passage that Sarah read starts. It starts with a reminder. The teacher comes up to Jesus, maybe to test him out a little bit, and he says, you know, I know the commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. And sometimes I think we divide those two up, but actually I believe one is an outflow of the other that actually the more love that you and I have for God in our mind, in our soul, in our spirit, in our strength, the more we will love our neighbour naturally, not as a sense of duty, but actually out of the outflow of all the love that God gives us. Um, I don't know if you've seen this uh, before, um, but it resonates with me, and this is why, as I say, I'm not an ideal person to give this talk. Sometimes I get road rage walking behind people in the grocery store. Um, Is that any of us other than me? Okay, oh good. Oh, yeah, there's quite a few of us. Um, I am the sort of person who will lane switch in supermarkets. I'll think, right, I'm in the right lane. No, that one's quicker, that one's quicker. And one of my drivers in life from very little, as I may have shared before, is hurry up. You know, we pick up drivers, don't we, from our parents, from our families, from uh, how we do things. We all in my family eat at incredible speed. You know, we used to have boyfriends and friends come home and they'd be sitting there thinking, my goodness, and we would have, it would be so embarrassing, we would have cleared the table almost and then still be sort of cutting into the food. And we'd have this thing, we have to slow down as a family because that's how we do. My mum used to work for the Red Cross and I can see her now, she would run everywhere. There was no need to run but somehow she'd and I watch it now in my sister and I know that it's in me I know that sense of needing to hurry can be in me but God has given us generous lives he's given us time and he's given us uh, really lives that can reflect this generosity in a less hurried way Jesus did not hurry nor was he busy And uh, you might say, well, how can we be generous with time and not get busier? But I wonder, and I think it seems that, that God is saying that to us this morning, whether actually we need to do less in order to be more generous with time. In other words, maybe slightly less programmed in order to be spontaneous. One of the teachers for me in this has been looking after my dad 
Um, because it seems that if you're 89 with Parkinson's disease, you can't rush anywhere. You literally can't. So for me, getting Dad in the car used to be a really quick thing. And he'd be going, Judy, I can't go at that pace anymore. And so I've had to really slow down. Even being with him yesterday and praying about this talk, I thought it's actually having to slow down to be more generous with my conversation, to be more generous perhaps with those moments where, even though I can't always tell what he's saying, it's okay to just sit, as Sarah shared earlier, just to sit and enjoy the moment. Busyness can be a thief. And what can happen to our soul in that is our will can become fatigued. Does that make sense? So the more busy we become, our will says, I can't be doing with that can't be involved with that. I know that there's pain there, but I, I've got to back away from it. There is a brilliant film called uh, The Good Lie. And uh, we were going to watch an extract from it, but that's not possible this morning. But instead, I'm going to tell you about it. And as a spoiler, as a community group in a few weeks' time, we'll be putting it on, uh, I think, at Riverside House and would love you to come and bring your friends. It's about some Sudanese refugees. It's played, actually, by refugees. So the people, the main cast, apart from Reese Weatherspoon, are actually uh, refugees. And uh, there are these three guys that make it from Sudan into America, if you've seen the film. And Reese Weatherspoon, she plays their employment counsellor. And uh, she just has a job to do. She knows there are three of them, she can't remember their names, and she knows that actually she's got to turn up at the airport because someone's dropped out last minute. So she arrives, she can't remember if they're from Somalia, Sudan, she knows it's some country beginning with S. But I, I can so resonate with some of this. She turns up, she's rushed, she's in a hurry, and there they are, beautifully African, sedate, standing, smiling, waiting to meet her. And she has to slow the whole thing down, but nevertheless, she gets them into the car. She says, where's your luggage? And they just have these carry bags full of their possessions. They've been separated from their sister. They're highly traumatized at this point. And she gets them into her truck, off to the place where they're going to stay. She says, we'll start recruiting for you, trying to find you work the following day. And she literally, and I gasped in the cinema on this, she literally leaves them on the sidewalk. She opens the door they get out with their bags and there's this sort of shot of them standing by the side of the road and off she goes. Now she does have the grace to reverse because they just stand there. They've no idea what to do. And she reverses back. She says, oh, go on, I'll go into the house with you. And she goes into the house with them and at least introduces them to the landlady. But by the end of the film, and I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler for you, actually she's supposed to be rescuing them. One of their names is Lost Boys. You've probably heard that expression. But actually what happens is they really rescue her. And it might sound a bit cliche, but if you watch the film, you'll know what I mean. In that actually she starts to get to know their stories. Wherever they go when they're looking for jobs, they pray a little blessing. They, they send the police into uproar, the managers. They, they have this way of pausing with people that I see in Jesus that he has this way of pausing with people. It can only be two minutes of pausing with someone just that bit extra, whether it's in the supermarket. A friend I used to tour with always, always used to speak to whoever was serving us. And to start with, I found it a bit irritating. I thought it was a bit over the top because it slowed us down. 
but actually it was treating every single person as a loved child of God. And at the end of the film, we have this brilliant Christmas scene where they're all celebrating together, and she has changed probably as much as they have in terms of learning to walk to the beat of a different drum. So the art of pausing then, at the end of the film, this is what comes up on the screen. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. How true that is. It really impacts me because we have to have that time for one another. That means that we can stop and have a chat. So when you think of your week coming up, How's that going to work in God's economy? Well, I believe God is faithful in this, in the way that he is faithful in our finances, in providing in all areas of our life. I have seen him faithful in this. And even when I have overcommitted and actually put my diary down and said, God, please help me, something has happened in the ordinance of God that has moved or dropped out or changed in order that I do have time. If God is generous, he has given us enough time. He has given us enough time. It says in the Psalms, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He's given us our days, he's given us our time, and he's prepared, we read in scripture, in advance, good works for us to do. And I think they're the ones that can fall between the cracks if we're not careful that actually in the tyranny of the urgent, in the tyranny of the busy, as Eugene Peterson puts it, we can lose the grace of God in our lives. It's not going to make us too late to just stop and talk to somebody or try praying or to give our booklets to someone. God will give back to you what you give to him. We talked about that in money a couple of weeks ago, but I believe it's here in Scripture Now, we don't know why the Levite doesn't stop when the attack happens. We can have a guess, but he walks by on the other side of the road, and it's probably a familiar story, maybe lost something with over-familiarity, I don't know, but when I read it again, I was very struck by it. They were good men. Jesus deliberately picks good men that walk past on the other side. One's a priest who would have had great purity, great renown, the Levite, uh, a man of learning, and uh, great purity. And one of the reasons they may not have stopped is because they didn't want to defile themselves. That actually there's blood and guts here, and they must stay clean and pure. And this is a terrible thing has happened. And Jesus totally radically turned that on his head. He says, if we are holy and pure, we're stuck in with it. That actually, if we're really breathing in the love of God, the grace of Jesus in our lives, the outflow will be this love for our neighbor that is tenacious. And what I love is we don't just hear Jesus say, but the man who helped was the Samaritan. And we all know that the message was that the Samaritan was the most unlikely person to help, and yet he did. But actually, he doesn't just help, does he? He goes to incredible lengths, actually. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. And this is a hugely generous day in the life of this man, isn't it? And when you think 
back to your spiritual journey, and we're all still on there, maybe very new to you, Faith, you may still be just starting out, or you may feel you've been there many years. One of the things that has really meant a difference to me and made a difference is when people have spent time with me. Right from early on, you know, I remember a man called Clifford Frost who used to sit with us. He was probably well into his 60s or 70s at the time, and he used to sit with us and study the Bible. And I did not enjoy the studying the Bible bit at that point in my life at all. And, uh, and soon after left the church, but I do remember him as a person always asking how our days were going, how our schoolwork was going, how we were getting on at home. And there's something about that that shows Jesus to us. Maybe have a think now in the quiet of who have been those people who've paused with you? Who's paused with you long enough to hear in a busy, loud, noisy world? Because you can be that for somebody else this week. You can be that person who pauses as Jesus does. Do you know the longest conversation Jesus has in the Bible? Anyone know where it is? I'm trying to sound learned. I only learned this this week myself. <laughs> but actually, it's, it's when he sits down at the well. He's physically tired. We know that. Good to know he got tired as well. It gives us hope, doesn't it? Has a sit down and sits and talks to a woman. Again, a radically different thing in the day. But that's the longest recorded conversation in the Gospels that he has uh, with someone that actually society would have said, keep moving. But he's stopped, he's sat down, he's asked her for her drink, he's actually done something that elevates her and slightly diminishes him in that culture. And there will be things in this world at the moment, there will be people that you know of in your community that could just do with you pausing with them today. And I was going to actually bring a copy that we could all fill in of our diaries, but I thought we might get a little bit stressed and uh, that's not the timbre of this talk, so I've not done that. Um, but I'd love you to just try and visualise, you can look at it on your phone if it helps, but just visualise your week from here, as Sarah was getting us to do uh, earlier on, your whole week panning out. And is there an hour in that, an hour somewhere that you could just really say to God now, that's going to be my gift to someone. Almost like you're wrapping it up. <laughs> that's going to be my gift to someone. I don't know yet who it's going to be, but that's going to be my gift to someone. Some of the reading I've done for this talk has been around a man training doctors. And one of the things he's trying to train them in is the art of making sure that they know they're the, the main person in the room, that they're the centre of the world for that time, which is very hard for doctors and consultants and teachers and business people and lots of us to do. But actually to be fully present is a gift that Jesus has. He's fully present, he's not distracted, he's not on his phone, <laughs> he's not distracted, he's in the moment, and he tells this story, and yes, it's about race, yes, it's about culture, it is about reaching out where actually our natural instinct wouldn't take us. But also, this is a story about generosity with time. Because every one of us could be the person that passes by, 
Not because we don't care, but because our souls are fatigued. And when our souls are fatigued, our will starts to dwane. I know it myself, that you think I could stop or I could stay a little bit later or longer, but I'm not going to. He does all of this and even says he will come back the following day. Tim Keller says, generosity is not only about money, there is more than one currency. Let your generosity be pervasive in your life. I have a fear that my eulogy or my tombstone will say she was very busy. Genuinely. I think that would be a travesty. I hate it even when people say, Judy, I know you're busy. I know people do say that. But I, there's something in me that thinks that shouldn't be. I would love it to, to say Judy was very generous with her time. I do think there's a difference. Do you? And so how do we find that? Jesus has it, but he pauses in a strategic way with people. He doesn't pause with everyone, or he'd have gone under, wouldn't he? He doesn't pause with everyone. He pauses where he knows that there's a deep need. There's a passage in Luke 9 that we may not get to today, but a passage in Luke 9 where, actually 8 and 9, where Jesus is approached about Jairus' daughter. And if you remember, he's off. This, this girl is incredibly ill, and Jesus could be rushing there, and many of us would be doing, can we get there in time? But because he knows the Father going back to the feeding of the 5,000 that Harry mentioned, because he knows the Father, he is able to stop. And we hear that the crowds are all around him, and yet he says, who touched me? He feels power has gone out from him. Who touched me? And I think that is because, because of Jesus' time out with the Father, his times of peace, his times of stillness, he's in tune with what God is showing him. And I guess as we look at generosity, there's a theme throughout this series, which is let's get to know God better in stillness, in time out with him, so that we don't get busier, full stop, but what we do get is more engaged with the things of the kingdom, because that's what we're passionate about, isn't it? To be kingdom people if we're followers of Jesus today. And Jesus, to me, is the best example of time management I have ever seen. I remember when Tim and Penny were interviewed, I think Penny was interviewed about being a teacher, and we know how busy and stressful that job is. But she said one of her prayers is that she will still have time to meet with that person who needs her, to spend that little bit of extra time just letting that child, let, letting that person know how valued they are. Generosity, even when we're up against it. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. And the disciples in this account and in others in the feeding of the 5,000 are all trying to have a piece of Jesus, if you like. But he has time for the one as well as the many. And as we reflect on that hour this week, my hunch is, and we're doing these challenges each week to make our world more generous, 
My hunch is that God will surprise you. It may be that you spend that hour volunteering. It may be that you spend that hour having a cup of coffee with a neighbour. It may be that you phone somebody who's quite difficult to phone or you put that off because it's always a little bit one-sided or they never phone you. Whatever it is, to be generous with our time is like the Good Samaritan, to go the extra mile, to cross the road, to cross the room, as Bill Hybels puts it. Is there someone at work who's going through a rough time, they're not easy to deal with, and God would have you pause with them this week to make time for them, maybe even to say, should we have lunch together or have a coffee together, so that they know that their story is being heard, that they're being listened to and understood. John Ortberg says this, there is a kind of fatigue that attacks the will, soul fatigue or soul acceptance. And I wanted as we come really to a a time of response, and as Sarah said, maybe even a time of, of prayer for one another, is that actually some of us get busy for the wrong reasons. We do it for approval. We do it for approval of God. We do it for the approval of those around us. But that wasn't Jesus, and that isn't our calling. There's the thing of the cycle of grief where we're doing everything we can to attain acceptance and status or a cycle of grace that says, I am loved, I am accepted, I am forgiven. Everything else comes from there. And you'll have drivers. You may not have the hurry-up driver, and you can help me work with it. I was going to say to you that I'm point-free on my licence, but I'm not because of coming home from the women's weekend away, would you believe? Three points or a speed awareness course. I think I'm going for the speed awareness course. But I know that it is still something that I fight with. And uh, if you followed me or I followed you, you'll know that. Um, But it is something that actually is not what God asks of us. He asks of us to be generous with our time, to be, even let someone in maybe in the queue, uh, you know, to, to actually be contagious in our generosity. So we come accepted, loved, made as we are by God, but called to specific people. There are people that you will bless this week that I can't and vice versa. In the economy of God's generosity, we can all love him better in order to love his world more. Titus says this, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And the commentary says, good works don't just happen. Meeting the needs of others doesn't appear out of thin air. There is a process, a learning to devote ourselves to good. Let's pray. Lord, we may come to you as busy people today. Or we may say, well, time is one thing I can give. I've got a lot of that at the moment. But Father, whatever point on the scale we are, I do ask that you would increase our grace towards those you've put in our communities. That as we breathe in the fact that you are always attentive to us, we pray that we would breathe out an attentiveness to one another. 
And Lord, we give you the hour that we've kind of wrapped up or prepared. And we pray that there would be something spontaneous, something that you call us to do, to bless somebody deeply with that hour. Maybe it's baking, maybe it's uh, visiting. But God, would you help us to exercise this muscle of deep generosity out of your love, grace and goodness to us. And Lord, if there's someone a bit like the Good Samaritan who we're finding it really hard to love, really, really tough to show grace, we pray that we would be extravagant this week with our grace towards them, not out of duty, but because you have loved us first and done so extravagantly. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.